Amen. I'll ask you please to open your Bibles at John chapter 1. John's Gospel and the first chapter and we'll commence at verse 35 and we'll read down to the end of verse 42. John chapter 1 commencing at verse 35. And the Word of God says, Again the next day after John stood, and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Amen. And may the Lord be pleased to speak to us through the reading of his own precious word. I would just like... Amen. As we take our seats together, I would ask you to turn with me to John's Gospel and to chapter 1, the portion of Scripture that has been read just a little bit earlier. As you're turning to the portion, I want to thank our brother for being here today and for leading the service. And as we come to God's precious Word, I want to thank you as well for being here tonight. May the Lord be pleased to meet with us and to bless his word afresh to each of our hearts this evening. The verse I would like to draw to your attention tonight is the verse 41. John chapter 1 and the verse 41. We read, He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah." which is being interpreted the Christ. And here are the words of Andrew. And he says, we have found the Messiah, or the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And I want to speak this evening on that title, the Messiah. And let us just unite our hearts together and ask the Lord for help as we come to the ministry of his word this evening. Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, as we enter into thy presence, we do thank thee, our Father, for our coming together tonight. We praise thee that we can meet before the Lord our God. We can seek to worship thee. And we thank thee, our Father, for thy precious word. 
And that word which is our sole rule of faith and practice. And therefore, as we would open up the scriptures and we would want to meditate upon thy truth, we ask, O God, that the entrance of thy word might even give light to hearts this evening. Bless us, O God, and receive of our thanks. And may we know the help of God the Holy Spirit in the ministry of thy word, and it would go down to the glory and praise of the Saviour's great name. Hear us and abide with us now. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. I'm sure everyone would have heard this evening that term, Eureka. And that term, Eureka, is a word that's used to celebrate some great discovery or some new invention that has been produced. And the word Eureka is used to describe that breakthrough that there is. The word is associated with a Greek mathematician by the name of Archimedes. And he made a discovery. And he made a discovery in a very strange way. One day he was stepping into the bath. And Archimedes noticed that as he stepped into the bath, the water level rose. And as he thought about that, it suddenly dawned upon him that the volume of water displaced must be exactly equal to the volume of body submerged. And as he made that discovery, and it proved to be a very useful discovery, especially for establishing the precise volume of irregular objects, because you just had to take them and place them in water and then apply that principle, and the water displaced has to be equal to the volume of that which is submerged. And whenever Archimedes discovered that, he cried out with this Greek word, and he was Greek. And the Greek word was Eureka. And it's the Greek word that means to find. Just found something. Just discovered something. And he cried out, Eureka. Well, here in this verse of Scripture, Andrew has had that eureka moment. And he said here, we have found. And that's the same word in the Greek, eureka. We have found the Messiah. And whenever you think of that this evening, Andrew certainly had that eureka moment. If you were following in the Bible reading, he had heard John the Baptist preaching. And as John the Baptist was preaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, he had looked to the Savior and he had pointed to him and he had said, Behold the Lamb of God. And he referred to the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. You see it there in the Bible reading in verse 36. And this is John the Baptist, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. 
And so there was two there listening to John the Baptist who, whenever they heard that the one returning from the temptation in the wilderness was indeed the Lamb of God, they followed him. Verse 40 says, One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And when Andrew realized through the preaching of John the Baptist that the one before him was in fact the Lamb of God, it was that eureka moment. And he realized this, this is the Messiah. This is the one who has been promised down through the Old Testament Scriptures and down through the generation of time. And Andrew immediately wants to find his brother and he wants to bring the news to his brother Simon. And so he finds Simon. In our text of Scripture, he saith unto him, We have found the Messiah. Eureka! Jesus of Bethlehem, Jesus of Nazareth, he's the Messiah. And over the Christmas period, we have considered many different titles of the Lord. And maybe as you look at Christmas cards and decorations, you see some of these titles being displayed. He's called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's called Jesus. We learned afresh this morning. He's called the Savior. He's the Redeemer. There are so many different titles that are given of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's another we're familiar with, the Messiah. And for a moment or two together, I want us to think about that title, the Messiah. Firstly, we think about the meaning in this name, the meaning, Messiah. That word Messiah is derived from the Hebrew, and it simply means the anointed one. That's what Messiah means in the original Hebrew language of the Old Testament, the anointed one. And as our text indicates, it corresponds to the New Testament title of Christ. You notice what Andrew said to his brother in verse 41. We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. In other words, the, the Old Testament term was the Hebrew term Messiah, and it means anointed one. But in the Greek language of the New Testament, it's the title Christ. And that also means anointed one in Greek. And so these two titles, these two terms are synonymous, the one with the other. And they're interchangeable. When we're referring to the Messiah, the anointed one, we're referring to Christ, the anointed one. And in the Old Testament, that term meaning anointed was used in a number of different ways. In fact, it was used in relation to three different offices. In the Old Testament, you would have had the office of the prophet, the priest, and the king. 
and they were all anointed for that office. These offices were not uh, positions that could just be assumed or positions that could be just taken up by anyone. No, you had to be chosen and you had to be appointed. And when you were going to be installed into the office, you were anointed. And that was the term Messiah. For example, in relation to the prophet, there's the words in the Psalm 105, and the verse 15, and the Lord is referring here to his prophets. In Psalm 105, the verse 15, it says, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. And as the Lord refers to his prophets, he says, They're mine anointed. That's that term, Messiah. They're anointed. The responsibility of the prophet was to speak God's truth, to bring the message of truth from the Lord. And therefore, they were appointed for that particular reason. They were God's anointed. And the Lord refers to them as mine anointed. Then that office of the priest who were also anointed for office. And in the second book in the Bible, the book of Exodus in the chapter 29, and there it's the verse 7, and it has to do with Aaron. And Aaron was the high priest, and he was being anointed for that office. And in Exodus 29 and verse 7 we read, Then shalt thou take the anointing oil and pour it upon his head and anoint him. And so whenever it comes to the office of the priest, they had to be anointed for that office. And the responsibility of the priest in the Old Testament was to offer sacrifices for sin. And they were anointed in order to take up that office. And then the office of the king the example we can use is that of King Saul. And you remember how in 1 Samuel chapter 10, it says in the verse 1, Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? And whenever Saul was coming to take up the throne of Israel, Samuel is able to say to him, as he pours the oil upon his head, hath not the Lord anointed him? He was God's anointed. You remember, whenever Saul was then trying later to kill David, and the providence of God, the Lord delivered Saul into the hands of David. And David would have had opportunity to take the life of Saul. And he was being encouraged by those around him to take Saul's life. But David would refer to Saul as the Lord's anointed. The Lord's anointed. It also says of David himself. And he, of course, was anointed to take up the office of the king. 
And in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and the verse 13, it says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And whenever Samuel poured the anointing oil upon David's head, it says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And while the responsibility of the prophet was to bring God's truth and the responsibility of the priest was to offer sacrifices, the responsibility of the king was to rule and to govern. David had the anointing of God upon him. And on each occasion there, it's that Old Testament word, anointed one, Messiah. And on each occasion there, the prophet, priest, and king, they were divinely chosen by the Lord. They were appointed by the Lord, and they were anointed for their office. And then when you consider the prophecies of the Old Testament, the prophecies of the Old Testament speak about one who would come forth. One who had been promised from the earliest days the one who would come forth, who would fulfill all of these roles together, one who would be prophet, priest, and king, one who would be the Lord's anointed. That, of course, would be the Lord Jesus Christ, the prophet who would bring the truth of the gospel, the priest, if you like, who would make that sacrifice for sin, And the king, all power would be given on to the Lord Jesus Christ and he had power to rule and to govern because he came forth as God's anointed one, the promised Messiah. And so you see something there by way of the meaning of that name. But then I want you to think in the second place about the message in this name. You think of our text of Scripture, John 1 and 41, we have found the Messiah. And then Andrew draws that direct connection, the Messiah which is being interpreted, the Christ. And he's saying, Eureka, we have found him the one who has been promised from eternal years, the one who has been prophesied of throughout the Old Testament Scriptures, the one who has been long awaited, he's now come. He's been born in Bethlehem's manger. He has lived in the home of Mary and Joseph. He has been in the carpenter's shop. He has been tempted in the wilderness. And he comes forth to take up his earthly ministry. John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And Andrew says, We have found him. This is he. We have found him. The one who had been appointed to take up this particular role. The one who was the Lord's Christ. The one who was the Lord's anointed. But you notice carefully what Andrew states here in this verse of Scripture. He says, we have found the Messiah. 
Oh, when you think of all of those prophets and priests and kings of the Old Testament, and in a sense they were all messiahs. But Andrew says we've found the Messiah. Not we have found a Messiah, but the definite article is there. We have found the Messiah. We have found the one who has been promised. Tuesday night passed in the prayer meeting. I spoke on John the Baptist from Matthew chapter 11. And really that question in the third verse where John was locked away in the prison. And he sent two of his disciples to the Lord with a question. And it was that question that was expressive of doubt as to who the Savior really was. John the Baptist sent the two disciples and he said to them, Go and ask the Savior, Art thou he that should come? Or do we look for another? Art thou he? He that should come. He that has been prophesied that he would come into the world. Are you the one? Or do we look for another? It was reaffirmed by the Savior in Matthew 11. And it's reaffirmed here by Andrew in our text of Scripture. That he is the one. And that's the message that is found in this term. The Messiah. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ of God. He is the Chosen One. He is God's Anointed. The Scriptures would bear that out. You look over in your Bible to Acts chapter 4. Here in Acts chapter 4, there's a testimony from the Apostles. And they're actually quoting here in Acts chapter 4 from the Psalm 2. So you're way back into the Old Testament to uh, the second psalm. And here the apostles in Acts chapter 4, they're quoting from the second psalm. It's verses 26 and 27. The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus whom thou hast anointed. And if you were to take time yourself to look at the second psalm and the opening words of the second psalm, those first couple of verses that are being quoted here in Acts chapter 4 by the apostles. In the psalm 2, he's called the anointed, the anointed. And here, as they look to the Lord's anointed, they're saying here in verse 26 that he is the Lord and he is his Christ. And in verse 27, he's thy holy child whom thou hast anointed. And you could go down all of those expressions and they're all synonyms. He's the anointed, he's the Lord, he's the holy child, he's the Christ. I say to you this evening, he's the Messiah. That's the message. Andrew's statement here is factual. Andrew's statement is truth. Andrew's statement is correct. 
that the Lord Jesus Christ, who was born in Bethlehem's manger, he has fulfilled all of the prophecies of the Old Testament. And Andrew, when he realized that, and the truth of the Lord's person dawned upon his heart, he said, Eureka, we have found him. We have found him. Many today have never had that eureka moment. Many today, their hearts and minds are still darkened to the truth of who the Lord Jesus Christ actually is. The Jews today in general, their very eyes are closed to the truth of the Messiah. They are still looking for the Messiah to come when we could say today, we have found him. We have found him. Many today have never yet found the Lord Jesus Christ and have never seen him for who he really is. The message in this name. But I want you to notice thirdly here the mission in this name. If you were following in the Bible reading and John the Baptist was the speaker John the Baptist had already identified the Lord Jesus Christ and he called him the Lamb. He said he's the Lamb of God. And in calling him the Lamb, he was referring there to the sacrificial Lamb. And so in identifying the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lamb, he was actually giving us there that indication of the purpose and the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was coming into this world to be that sacrificial Lamb. And in that title, Messiah, we have drawn attention to the offices the prophet, the priest, and the king. Well, the office of the priest, the responsibility there was to offer the sacrifice for sin. And the Lord Jesus Christ is our great high priest. He would make that offering for sin, but he would go further than that. He would become that offering for sin. The mission of the Lord Jesus Christ in coming into this world was to live that perfect and that righteous life that, that we could not live. That perfectly righteous life whereby he would fulfill all the law of God. And he would keep all the commandments that we find it impossible to keep. The Lord Jesus Christ would keep them on our behalf. And then he would go to Calvary and he would make that once for all and that final sacrifice for sin. And he would become that sacrificial lamb. And he would make his soul an offering for sin because he is the Messiah. That's why he came into this world. The Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 3 would preach to us about the sufferings of the Savior. In Acts 3 and the verse 18, he said, But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. 
And the apostle Peter could, could see that. Passages of Scripture like Isaiah 53, that he would be wounded for our transgressions and he would be bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace would be laid upon him. All of the prophets spoke of the sufferings of Christ and Peter said uh, there in Acts 3, he has now fulfilled that. The Lord Jesus Christ has suffered as that sacrificial lamb his blood has been shed at Calvary and totally and fully and completely he has fulfilled his mission because he is the Messiah. And I ask you this evening, do you believe that? Do you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ who was born in Bethlehem's manger, that he is the Messiah? When Andrew heard John the Baptist, he believed it. Andrew went to his brother Simon, Simon Peter, and he said to his brother Simon, we have found the Messiah. Did Simon Peter believe him? Well, we're not left to conjecture. Because in Matthew chapter 16, the Lord asked his disciples a couple of questions. And in Matthew chapter 16, he said to his disciples, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? It's interesting the Lord asked them that question. And he was saying, who, who are men saying that I am? And they answered the Lord. His disciples said to him, Well, some think that you're Jeremiah or Elijah, those Old Testament prophets, and some think you're one of the other prophets. Some think you're John the Baptist. Then the Lord asked them another question. He said, who do you say that I am? The apostle Peter was the one who answered him. He said to him, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Do you see the connection there of what Peter said? When you think of what his brother Andrew had first said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is by interpretation the Christ. Now, Peter, whom do you say that the Lord Jesus Christ is? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He believed it. Do you believe that tonight? That he is the true Messiah? As our brother preached this morning, that he is the Savior, the Savior of the world. I finish off this evening by referencing John chapter 4. And in John chapter 4, the Lord was speaking to the woman at the well. And you remember the Lord spoke to her about the living water. And he wasn't speaking about the water in the well because the Lord said, if you drink of that water, you'll thirst again. But if you take of the water that I shall give you, you'll never thirst again. And as that conversation developed there, John chapter 4 and the verse 25 the woman saith unto him, I know that the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. 
And as the Lord was witnessing there to the woman at the well, she said, well, I know that the Messiah is coming. I know that. The very next verse, Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. I am the Messiah. There's the claims of the Lord Jesus Christ. She said, I know there's a Messiah that's prophesied of. I know there's a Messiah that's promised. I know there's a Messiah that's coming. And when he comes, he's he's going to show us all things. And the Lord said to her, I am he. What would be the response of this woman? John 4 and the verse 28. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith unto the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Is not this the Christ? She believed that the one she spoke to there at the well was indeed the Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one of God. Andrew had that eureka moment. And Peter had that eureka moment. And the woman at the well had that eureka moment. We have found the Messiah. What's your response tonight? I wonder if you ever had that eureka moment to the one who was born in Bethlehem's manger. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ of God. And we need to come to faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to know that personal salvation, to know our sins forgiven, to know tonight it is well with our soul for all eternity. May each one know what it is tonight to find the Lord as the Messiah and that we would know that saving faith in him. We're going to turn.